Cleveland County 911. I don't know if I should have called this in or not, but... What's going on? If I'd have a camera, I'd take a picture of it. Take a picture of who? I don't know what, I don't know what it was. He's walking upright like a man. I would not kill it because I was afraid to. But he went back up the mountain. Come on, say bye. You are listening to the Bigfoot Gumbo Podcast, where we focus on topics like cryptids, the paranormal, and UFOs. But to mix it up, we will also cover things like current events, entertainment, food, mysteries, and other interesting things. From Bigfoot to Boudin, we got you covered like a big pot of gumbo. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 17 of Bigfoot Gumbo. I have a great show lined up for you and I know you guys can't wait to hear what's happening down here in Cajun country. So here's some news. I heard that Dixie Brewing Company is finally returning to New Orleans after being forced out of the city by Hurricane Katrina. Dixie was founded in 1907 and was one of the first beers I ever drank back when I was 18 and it was legal. It got me into enjoying beers that weren't mainstream. They were brewing in Wisconsin and finally Tom Benson, who owned the Saints, purchased a majority stake in Dixie shortly before his death. They are now opening a huge new brewery in New Orleans East and will finally be back in Louisiana where they belong. I also dusted off my Toad the Wet Sprocket playlist on Spotify this week. This was a great band for the 90s who never got the credit they deserved. Their song Pray Your Gods is fantastic, so give them a listen when you get a chance. I also recently discovered the heavy metal band called Kicks on Sirius Radio. I did some research on them and they got big in the middle 80s, which is when I was listening to alternative music, so I missed out on these guys. I really love their song, Don't Close Your Eyes. It's fantastic, so give them a listen if you haven't already. I'd like to thank our top listening locations in the United States as of this week. Washington State is still our biggest audience and Yelm, Washington is still on top. However, the state of Texas has climbed to second place out of nowhere with Cypress, Texas being on top. Pennsylvania has also jumped into third place and Lancaster, Pennsylvania is on top in that state. So thanks to all of these locations for being our biggest audiences and thanks to everyone else who listens to our podcast. We are now on Twitter, so please follow us at Bigfoot Gumbo, and please send us some fan email. Tell us where you're from, and let us know what you think about the show, and I'll read your email on a future show. Okay, that's what's happening in Bigfoot Gumbo news. 
Coming up next is an old story out of New Orleans, and I hope you enjoy it. Bigfoot Gumbo would love to hear from you. Send us an email or join our forum if you have a story you would like to share with us. Your story may appear on a future podcast. Also, please help support us by liking us on social media and sharing us wherever you listen to your podcast. A nice rating would also be appreciated. Thanks for your support. So when you think of New Orleans, many things come to mind. The Saints, Mardi Gras, and Café du Monde are probably at the top of the list. But did you know that long ago the city had a serial killer running around? Personally, I had never heard of this killer until I discovered it recently doing some research. So I'm going to share this with you, and I'm sure for many of you, It's probably the first time hearing this horrible story, so here goes. He was known as the Axeman of New Orleans. The Axeman of New Orleans was an American serial killer, active in New Orleans, Louisiana, and the surrounding communities including Gretna from May 1918 to October 1919. Press reports during the height of public panic about the killers mentioned similar murders as early as 1911, but recent researchers have called these reports into question. The Axeman was never identified and the murders remain unsolved. As the killer's epithet implies, the victims usually were attacked with an axe which often belonged to the victims themselves. In most cases, a panel on a back door of a home was removed by a chisel, which were both left on the floor near the door, followed by an attack on one or more of the residents with either an axe or straight razor. The crimes were never motivated by robbery, and the perpetrator never removed items from his victims' homes. The majority of the Axeman's victims were Italian immigrants or Italian Americans, leading many to believe that the crimes were ethnically motivated. Many media outlets sensationalized this aspect of the crimes, even suggesting mafia involvement despite lack of evidence. Some crime analysts have suggested that the killings were related to sex and that the murderer was perhaps a sadist specifically seeking female victims. Criminologists Colin and Damon Wilson hypothesized that the Axeman killed male victims only when they obstructed his attempts to murder women 
supported by cases in which the women of the household were murdered but not the man. A less plausible theory is that the killer committed the murders in an attempt to promote jazz music suggested by a letter attributed to the killer in which he stated that he would spare the lives of those who played jazz in their homes. The Axeman was not caught or identified and his crime spree stopped as mysteriously as it had started. The murderer's identity remains unknown to this day, although various possible identifications of varying plausibility have been proposed. Now here's where the story gets bizarre. On March 13, 1919, a letter purportedly to be from the Axeman was published in newspapers saying that he would kill again at 15 minutes past midnight on the night of March 19th, but would spare the occupants of any place where a jazz band was playing. That night, all of New Orleans dance halls were filled to capacity, and professional and amateur bands played jazz at parties at hundreds of houses around town. There were no murders that night. The following is a letter from the Axeman. He writes, Hell, March 13, 1919. Esteemed mortal of New Orleans, the Axeman. They have never caught me and they never will. They have never seen me for I am invisible. Even as the ether that surrounds your earth, I am not a human being but a spirit and a demon from the hottest hell. I am what you Arlenians and your foolish police call the Axeman. When I see fit, I shall come and claim other victims. I alone know whom they shall be. I shall leave no clue except my bloody axe, besmeared with blood and brains of those whom I have sent below to keep me company. If you wish, you may tell the police to be careful not to rile me. Of course I am a reasonable spirit. I take no offense at the way they have conducted their investigations in the past. In fact, they have been so utterly stupid as to not only amuse me, but his satanic majesty, Francis, Joseph, etc. But tell them to beware. Let them not try to discover what I am, for it were better that they were never born than to incur the wrath of the Axeman. I don't think there is any need of such a warning, for I feel sure the police will always dodge me, as they have in the past. They are wise and know how to keep away from all harm. Undoubtedly, you Arlenians think of me as the most horrible murderer, which I am, but I could be much worse if I wanted to. If I wish, I could pay a visit to your city every night. At will, I could slay thousands of your best citizens and the worst, for I am in closer relationship with the angel of death. Now, to be exact, at 12.15 earthly time on next Tuesday night, I am going to pass over New Orleans. In my infinite mercy, I am going to make a little proposition to you people. Here it is. I am very fond of jazz music, and I swear by all the devils in the nether regions that every person 
shall be spared in whose home a jazz band is in full swing at the time I have just mentioned. If everyone has a jazz band going, well then, so much the better for you people. One thing is certain, and that is that some of you people who do not jazz it out on that specific Tuesday night, if there be any, will get the axe. Well, as I am cold and crave the warmth of my native Tartarus, and it is about time I leave your earthly home, I will cease my discourse, hoping that thou wilt publish this, that it may go well with thee. I have been, am, and will be the worst spirit that ever existed, either in fact or realm of fancy, the axe man. Is that bizarre or what? Crime writer Colin Wilson speculates the axe man could have been Joseph Momfrey, a man shot to death in Los Angeles in December 1920 by the widow of Mike Pettitone, the axe man's last known victim. Wilson's theory has been widely repeated in other true crime books and websites. However, true crime writer Michael Newton searched New Orleans and Los Angeles public, police, and court records, as well as newspaper archives, and failed to find any evidence of a man with the name Joseph Momfrey, or a similar name, having been assaulted or killed in Los Angeles. Newton was also not able to find any information that Mrs. Pepitone identified in some sources as Esther Albano and in others simply as a woman who claimed to be Pepitone's widow was arrested, tried or convicted for such a crime, or indeed had been in California. Newton notes that Monfrey was not an unusual surname in New Orleans at the time of the crimes. It appears that there actually may have been an individual named Joseph Momfrey or Mumfrey in New Orleans who had a criminal history and who may have been connected with organized crime. However, local records for the period are not extensive enough to allow confirmation of this or to positively identify the individual. Wilson's explanation is an urban legend, and there is no more evidence now on the identity of the killer than there was at the time of the crimes. Two of the alleged early victims of the Axeman, an Italian couple named Chiambra, were shot by an intruder in their lower Ninth Ward home in the early morning hours of May 16, 1912. The male Chiambra survived while his wife died. In newspaper accounts, the prime suspect is referred to by the name Momfrey more than once. While radically different than the Axeman's usual modus operandi, if Joseph Momfrey was indeed the Axeman, the Chiambras may well have been early victims of the future serial killer. According to scholar Richard Warner, the chief suspect in the crimes was Frank Doc Murphy, who lived from 1875 to 1921, who used the alias Leon Joseph Momfrey or Manfrey. So there you have it, folks. 
Now you know the 100-year-old story of the Axeman of New Orleans, a serial killer that was never identified, sadly. He obviously didn't like Italian immigrants and loved jazz music. I wonder if this case will ever be reopened. Maybe modern science could help in solving this case. That would be interesting to see. I'll keep you posted. So remember, our world is still full of mysteries, and here on Bigfoot Gumbo, we'll keep searching for the answers. That does it for this episode. We hope you enjoyed the show. Keep it spicy, everybody, and laissez le bon temps rouler. This show was produced by Fofale Productions.